Good morning, this is Nick Augustine here with Mark Scroggins here at Scroggins Law Group in Dallas, and we are talking about seven reasons people divorce and how to get started. January is a big time for divorce after the holidays. Sometimes people keep everything together for several reasons, and then when January hits, reality sinks in, it's a new year, there's new options. There's reasons that people have been trying to stay together and sometimes things just fall apart and it's time to get going and do something with divorce. So let's say good morning to Mark Scroggins. Hey Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well. So January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the time you get people that have gone through that uh, last holiday season of going through Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas holidays or Hanukkah or you know whatever you particularly celebrate if you celebrate uh, and uh, have that have that response of that's the last time I'm doing that. It was kind of a last ditch effort. We're going to see how things work out and uh, hopefully they, they will. But if they don't, I'm not doing it again. There you go. All right. Well, let's go down some of the, the, the lists here. Not to say that people should pick something off the list if they want to get a divorce and get a reason. But sometimes a lot of these things are in the back of people's heads. And when we look at a list of reasons that people do decide to take that next step and get a divorce. Sometimes it's a combination of several different things. So what we'll talk about here is we'll talk about cheating, intimacy problems, social media and jealousy, which is really an interesting thing with technology. Of course, we have our typical financial problems, people who avoid conflict and never get to resolution on their issues. Of course, there's always controlling and abusive behavior and then people with identity crisis and just falling apart and going a different way in life. Yeah, and let's be clear what we're talking about identity typically what we're talking about is the midlife crisis right, exactly. we're, we're not talking about typically gender identity right, although yeah. that that comes up at times too i mean there are plenty of people that are uh gay or bisexual or transgender that uh you know try to stay within society norms so to speak right. and then after years of doing that and being kind of a tortured soul decide that that's enough can't do it anymore well look at you know bruce jenner now known as caitlin jenner that's exactly right exactly yeah although there are certain theories that you know if you had to live with the kardashians that might happen to you too <laughs> who knows so how do you stay together did you think that she was I mean, what I actually I haven't really followed. I don't know. Did they get divorced? I think so. Yes. How yes. do you stay together? I don't know the, how you could, but uh, I, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. I simply don't have an answer for that. Right, right. You know, I didn't even think about that when uh, putting that on the list of identity that that is uh, right. That That is a real thing that happens. I mean, you see it. I think you have seen it or I shouldn't say you. I can say in my experience as a divorce lawyer, I have seen that more in uh, a situation where husband and wife have been married and husband decides after a number of years that he's gay, has been gay, you know, has been trying to do that. And typically, you know, he's had a long series of uh, affairs, relationships with other men, you know, for years going on. And, uh, you know, sometimes you see you know, sometimes it comes to a head because you've got, you know, a really tragic situation where there's been the transmission of, uh, you know, an STD or even AIDS. Um, or, you know, pl plenty of times it's just uh, there hasn't been anything like that. But, I mean, the lifestyle, um, it, it, it starts to get to a point where you can't really keep it separate from, you know, you've got a secret life and you've got your public life. And those two start to merge mm -hmm. after a period of time. And... 
Uh, or it's just that, that crisis of who am I, you know, and, and wanting to be able to live, you know, as who they are, which I can't even fathom what that would be like. That but it would have to be torture. Right. Would absolutely have to be torture. Well, and you look at that when things like that are going on, there's a lot of coping mechanisms and self-medication going on and, you know, other things that, you know, entrap. So one thing may manifest itself in, you know, not just one, but two, three or four different ways. Right. So, you know, another thing that we, when we, you know, use the word identity and you mentioned, you know, we're talking about crisis and the midlife crisis uh, and not necessarily gender identity, but there may be issues where you've got one parent who is listening to a child that says, mommy, I think I want to be, I want to switch. I want to go through a transition and mm -hmm. all this. And, you know, something that when you got married and had kids, never thought would rear its head. No one ever has. You know, you, you sit down. Do you want to have kids someday? Yeah. What kind of kids? What do you want them to be in sports, play right. in the band and all this? And I don't think people getting married think about, well, what happens if we have a child who wants to switch their gender? And that, I mean, things like that can lead to, you know, loggerheads. Of course. Yep. Well, and so much of that, I think, ties into... Um, and I don't want to get off into off into this topic, but I think a lot of that ties into religion and religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's I think there's a huge difference between between being religious and being uh, spiritual. And uh, and I'm not judging and saying one's right or one's wrong or anything like that. But, you know, there's a whole lot that that falls into that, because I think you know, certain people of certain religious views tend to take a stance that, you know, this is acceptable and that is not acceptable. Um, you know, and then you've got science involved. And I mean, so there, that is a, a sticky, sticky wicket, but yeah, that is something that you don't see, um, typically that's going to be discussed right. by folks. One of the things that we see is a overarching pattern also in times is that people as we grow sometimes we grow much we grow back into who we were as people in high school other times we grow in different ways and develop as different people everyone's different and so people really can just naturally grow apart yeah i mean i would seriously hope that you grow from different than what you were in high school i mean that <laughs> would mean that you are emotionally stunned in my <laughs> right opinion. right but, but you know people go on different paths in lives and choose no different question. careers and all this and you know, try to change the world. And then sometimes it's come back to who they were. So, yeah. you know, and a lot of times when people are younger, and we're seeing people get married later nowadays, but sometimes when people are younger, they turn themselves into who the other one wants them to be. And you can play that game for just so long, but, you know. Yeah, or I mean, I think the bigger problem on that is when people get married too young, you don't know who the hell you are. Right. You don't. You don't know what makes you tick. You don't know you know, really the other person doesn't know. So if you put two people together that, you know, love each other as much as, you know, teenage love can, can love one another, you know, it's just, it's not very mature, uh, typically. And, um, most of the time these people, you know, haven't, you don't have any real world experience. You haven't gotten outside of school and had to earn a living and, and dealt with those things that, you know, you have to deal with, you know, do you own a house? Do you, uh, do you have kids? Do you have pets? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have rental payments? Do you have car payments? Are, have there been health problems? You know, all these different kinds of things that tend to influence who you are. So that's just a different deal. But let's kind of go back to what gets people yep. 
divorced. And the, the number one thing, I mean, we, you brought up sexual infidelity and there, there's no question that that is, that is one of them, but that is, that is typically a sign of other things that are wrong with the marriage. And lots of people mm-hmm. still make things work. Uh, after that, I, I think that's very difficult because you've got trust issues that are, that are huge, but absolutely. In my experience for, from doing this for a long time, uh, the number one thing that breaks folks up is, is financial. Um, and so that can be, you've gone through all kinds of different financial issues. You know, maybe there's a bankruptcy involved. Maybe there's someone's, uh, gotten a catastrophic illness and medical bills have just torn you up because you didn't have the money to have, uh, insurance or your insurance sucked. You know, I mean, any one of a number of things, but the bigger one that you see within that, that financial context is frankly, where, um, someone's a saver and someone's a spender and that creates all kinds of problems. And it can be as simple as they're not saving as much money as the saver feels like they should, or it could be in a situation that I have seen a number of times where their credit cards that have been taken out and run up and maxed out and even taken out in the other person's name that that person doesn't know about. And all of a sudden they've got, you know, $100,000 or more in debt that they had no clue about. And guess what? It's all community. Okay. Now that, you know, if you are not on the contract with the credit card company, that doesn't take away the community nature of the debt. But it does take away the credit card company's ability to sue you over it. Right. Okay. Um, however, I have also dealt with lots of cases where, frankly, there's been fraud involved. And the one one spouse has taken out a bunch of credit cards in the other person's name because they've got, you know, they've got their social security number and, and whatever you would need to be able to, uh, uh, to be able to set that up. And then the problem is, you know, you've, You've created all kinds of issues there. What about in the children's name? I've heard stories of that too. Actually, I've seen it on things like the People's Court. People <laughs> taking things out like, I got my new student loans in a car and all this, and, the, and on the 17 year old's credit rating. It's like, what? How do people do that? Well, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely doable. Um, I have not seen that a lot, um, but that's, I think, because of the type of divorce practice that I have, which, uh, tends to be fairly, fairly high end. Uh, I think that is more of a, a little lower socioeconomic, Mm -hmm. uh, bracket that you tend to see that out of. Um, so, so I haven't had a lot of experience with that, but it doesn't mean that it can't be done because it very easily can. Well, and, you know, and also with financial issues and secrecy, you know, there's a lot of, you know, times where, you know, one party is involved in investments and doing things that, you know, again, you say the other one doesn't know. Right. And the other one might not even understand. And it could be a part of a regular course of business. It also could be extra income is now going into investment of this or that. And, you know, when things are not going well, does the other spouse know? And one may think everything is all fine and great until they learn that, you know, they're inches from bankruptcy. Yeah. And I mean, there are a million different things that can happen. I mean, you know, I've known of some people that got into, uh, they got into investing in, um, multifamily, uh, multifamily housing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, created a limited partnership that went in and, and bought these different properties and, and the way it was sold to him, boy, it sure sounded like it was great and it was printing money. And, uh, and then it turned out that, well, it was lower income housing than what they thought. And it had all kinds of, uh, additional problems. And there were, there were problems with getting things fixed up and they didn't know about this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, you know, what looked like millions of dollars on paper, uh, became a, uh, a debt and an obligation rather than an asset. Yikes. So that all the money that was put in, uh, just went bye-bye. Right. Plus some. Yeah. You know, so that's happened. I mean, there, there are all kinds of different, you know, you used to hear about, you hear about, uh, athletes, for example, getting taken for a ride. You know, someone invests in a gold mine in South America. Okay. Now there are some, Valuable gold mines in South America, but you better be damn sure you know if this is one that is above board or if it is just sinking money into stuff. I mean, so there are all kinds of different things. And so, you know, if you've got someone that is much more risk averse as compared to the other person who is, um, you know, willing to, to throw some money at things with the idea that they're going to hit the lottery, that can be problematic and, uh, you know, and it can be problematic in a number of different ways. If, if you've got one person that is earning all the money, so they've got the attitude that, Hey, I'm going to invest it. However the hell I want to, you know, it's my money. Well, <clears throat> the other person who's just sitting there can feel a little, uh, what do I do? Right. I remember a case that I helped work on when I was a law clerk where the wife had a steady job that was a major income earner and the husband had his own business and it was something in IT I don't remember anymore. But times were changing and he was not prepared to leave what he was doing and the ship kept sinking and he kept bailing water and he didn't see the inevitable. Everyone else did. And she at one point just said, I'm done with this. I can't have the crisis. I need financial security. Well, I can tell you that I, you know, I've got a case right now that we're about to finalize that, uh, you know, the biggest issue is, um, is a piece of commercial property. You know, that's a big thing. They've sunk, you know, they made an investment thinking they were going to turn it and make a lot of money. And, uh, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out the way, uh, either of them anticipated. And it's been a sinkhole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you remember the old movie, the money pit, you know, <laughs> I mean, that was a great movie. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Movie. Well, I mean, this is it on a different scale, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh but that is what, that's what, you know, basically broke these folks up. Right. Right. You know, all the stress that surrounds that. What about controlling an abusive behavior? That may be one where just, it's been years of buildup. Sometimes people snap, people can change, but that's a, that's a, a good one too. Well, and that, that one's interesting. I mean, so controlling behavior, you know, so much of this is, uh, is perception. Okay. Physical abuse, easy to identify. You mm-hmm. know, there are marks left. You know, if somebody's hitting somebody, you know, it's pretty easy to identify that. Emotional abuse. Some of that's pretty easy to identify if, you know, if, uh, you know, if you and I were married and I'm telling you, Nick, you are a worthless sack of shit. Okay. And I'm telling you that all the time. Pretty easy to identify as emotional abuse, right? The other ones are, you know, some of that though is it's much more subtle. Um, you know, what you typically see is you see this a lot with someone who's a narcissist and that has become kind of a buzzword. Now people 
you know, label someone else as, oh, well, he or she's a narcissist or whatever without really understanding what that is. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't mean just, you know, being an asshole doesn't make you They're a narcissist. Insecure. Yeah. I mean, well, being, you know, there, I know lots of people and I've been called an asshole once or twice myself. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm a narcissist. No. Okay. A narcissist is truly only concerned about themselves. All these other people around them are merely pieces to be used for ultimate gain. Okay. I mean, that is a very, very simple and non-psychological uh, definition well, of what that is. And when you bring that up too, we have to be careful not to, people so easily slap um, conclusions and psychological disorders onto people. And if right. you're not a clinical psychologist, you don't need to be diagnosing other people. Right. So there are lots of different things that can play into that. So typically, a narcissist has a ton of controlling behavior. There are plenty of people that are not narcissists but that are very controlling. And a lot of that can deal with their own personal insecurities. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of goes to like, you know, uh, with someone who's a cheater, that person tends to accuse the other person of cheating all the time where they're the ones that are actually cheating. Okay. So, so with the controlling behavior, typical kind of thing that you see, if somebody's got a, a big group of friends before they get married and those friends start falling by the wayside or um, more specifically being cut out of things because, you know, the spouse says, well, I don't want to hang around her. Or I don't want to hang around him. I don't like him. I don't like her. I mean, some of that happens as you get older and you're married, that person is not, or you have kids and you think, you know, they don't parent the way that you do. So you think little Johnny's a, you know, is, is a, uh, makes a bad impression on your kids. Some of that just happens. Okay. Right. But where you start uh, really trying to, where one person starts trying to isolate the others from their family, their friends, those are things to be concerned about because then what they do, what they are doing in that process is creating a situation where the only person that they can rely on is their spouse mm -hmm. and they don't have um, they don't have any other um, view of the world, really. So it's all this sick little... That's like passive-aggressive to the nth extrapolated degree. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it's beyond the passive. I mean, it's just, it's freaking aggressive. I mean, because it's, you know, think about it. If you've got, you know, four buddies that you grew up with, okay... Your spouse might not like, you know, like all these guys. And maybe, you know, maybe two of them are, you know, quote unquote, good family guys. Maybe one's a, a big time partier, womanizer. Uh, and one's just a total, you know, hasn't gotten out of high school. It's like the script so, from a movie, like the very bad things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a total degenerate. Okay. So maybe you don't hang around with all four of them. Maybe there's a guy's weekend that happens, you know, but if it starts cutting, everybody out, you know, and, uh, and they're texting you all the time. What are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you, who are you with? But when are you going to be back? All this kind of stuff. Those are things that people can only take for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is creating that dependence on them. And what it does is their independence. It's creating codependency. Mm -hmm. Okay. And very un codependency is unhealthy. Some people think that there is some healthy codependency, which is asinine, but uh, it is really creating an unhealthy situation 
where, uh, you know, the only person they can rely on is, is that spouse. Right. So it's just, it's, it's bad. You know, and a lot of the things too, some of that behavior could also be residual of something in the background, which we started talking about at the beginning of the program, such as the leading the separate life and all the thing. So a lot of this stuff right. all can weave back and forth and there may be no one good thing, but it's just like the tensillary strength can be tested just so long until the object snaps well, that's and, absolutely right. You know, it just seems like at one point someone just knows. You ask people, how did you know you were ready to get divorced? They just know and they can't say, well, categorically it was, you know, three points on this one, four points on this, add it all up, ten points, divorce. Well, that's right. I mean, and, you know, you hit on something I think that's very important. Uh, all of this behavior that we're talking about tends to be what was learned as a child. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. So it all, I can't say that. I would say... The vast majority of stuff goes back to things from our childhood that were that were what we saw in our parents' relationships, what we saw with our friends' parents' relationships, experiences we had. Maybe you had a um, maybe one or both of your parents uh, traveled all the time, you know, for business, so they were gone all the time. So you've got uh, you know some uh, some anxiety around um oh god the the word i'm trying to think of here um separation travel. some separation yeah. anxiety right okay that that kind of thing can uh can come up all the time you know and that goes or a fear of abandonment there we go that's what i was looking for so you've got you've got stuff that goes back there because you know mom or dad weren't around because they had to travel in their job they were a traveling salesperson. Well, and mom or dad know? cheated. Now you're going to have like you know, honey, check in. You know who else is at the conference? I see a picture of you and some other woman. Right. You know which brings us back to what we haven't talked about yet is social media. Oh my gosh, Facebook, divorce book, cheating book. Whatever you want to call it, yeah. all of a sudden people you haven't talked to in years pop up again. You're, you know, do you, you know, friend your ex, um, you know, you know, your person you were in a relationship with in college or not? Do you right. maybe you friend their sister and their? I mean, jealousy can run rampant, and social media is just a huge open, you know. So here is a great rule of yikes. thumb. Here's a great rule of thumb. Okay, don't say something to someone on Facebook or any other social media platform that you would not say in front of your spouse to that person. That's a really good comment. Say it again. Do not say something on a social media platform to someone else that you would not say in front of your spouse. So don't look up, you know, Susie from high school and you tell her, Wow, still looking hot. You know, would you say that right in front of your spouse? I don't know. Maybe you would. If you would, fine. You say that crap all day long. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you don't, like I would think most people wouldn't, don't do that. What the hell are you doing? And man? don't text people things that you think are going to be private. There's no privacy in a marriage. No, I can tell you, well, how we've talked about it and you can see stuff on, on our website, you know, that were statements I've made and blogs and videos. Stuff about social media. I mean, hell, it's in almost every case. Yep. Almost every case. I would say 95% of cases have a social media uh, piece. Yeah. Whether it's, uh, whether it's actually social media or text messages, you know, things that people say that they think, you know, have long since disappeared that guess what? They haven't. Right. You know, I mean, that's just dirty laundry stays forever now. 
Yeah. So, I mean, We're people, judges, man. <laughs> well, and people get, um, you know, so it kind of goes with the identity crisis. Okay. Where, you know, you've been married a long time and people, uh, get the grass is always greener disease, yep. you know, Oh, well, God, I could be out there living the life and, you know, doing this. And, you know, some of that is, is normal. Okay. Some of that is normal to think about that. Um, that is not, you know, that's why if you, <clears throat> if you talk, um, you know, talk to a psychologist or psychiatrist, they will tell you, you know, fantasy is, is normal. Okay. Uh, to a certain degree, <laughs> I mean, there's some that's not, um, but some of that is, some of that's normal. I mean, some of that is just human now acting on it is a different deal or taking it to a different level. I mean, so you hear about now people having emotional affairs. Okay. So what is an emotional affair? It's basically, you know, you've got a relationship with someone where you are truly vested in that relationship with them. You are sharing intimate details of your life. Uh, and basically everything is involved with the exception of the sex, you know, a sexual act. Okay. That's an emotional affair. There are a lot of people that would say that that is just as, if not more damaging would break than trust. sex. Yeah. I mean, so that is, that's once again, and that's the hardest thing to repair. Right. You know, once trust is broken, it is a road to get that back online. It's not to say that it can't be done, but it's rough and it takes commitment from both people to want to do that. And, you know, if you've got 25 years of being with someone who's a shit heel, you know, why do you want to put in the work to, to just get back to that? It's like, it's like the whole thing of, you know, when you talk about someone that's an alcoholic, there's a saying, of, you know, what happens when you take, uh, take the booze away from a drunk horse thief? What do you have? You got a horse thief, you know? <laughs> right. So, so you've got to, you've got to change the behavior. The behavior has to change. Yeah. And there's also, there's a lot of mental health opportunities and therapists and counseling. And sometimes people will go to those marriage counselors to find out what they can fix. And sometimes really what that is, it can be an issue spotting exercise. And a lot of the things that come up are reinforcers of what the person who wanted to having, the person who's having problems sees reinforcers of why, you know, they kind of do think that they're at the point where things are broken. It's time to call it quits. Well, and sometimes it is. You know, I mean, undoubtedly, that's what, you know, I do for a living. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of people that get to that point. And I wouldn't suggest to anybody that you need to stay in an unhealthy relationship. As You know, you either need to fix it right. or you need to get the hell out of it. Right. And there are lots of people that stay in. This, this is one that really breaks my heart. You have a lot of people that stay in bad relationships and they do it. They're saying, well, we're staying together for the kids. Right. Well, what do you think you are doing? You're raising other little broken humans oh, right, exactly. by doing that. Cause you are setting an example of what a relationship is like. So if you're, if y'all either, um, <laughs> uh, this is a horrible joke and, and, uh, a little, a little blue, but it always cracks me up. If you've gotten to the point with your spouse where you are having hallway sex, which means you're saying, fuck you, as you walk past the other person, <laughs> then it's probably something to look at. Okay. Um, <laughs> because what you're doing is you, you really are, you're creating these other broken little humans. And so they start thinking that that is what's normal. So right. if they aren't seeing any kind of expression of love or affection, what do you Respect. think? Respect. Exactly. What do you think they are going to think is normal when they get to 
their teenage years and start getting into relationships or even older. I mean, that's why, you know, there's, uh, there's the thing of we talk about physical abuse and how important it is to break the cycle of abuse. But it's hard when they have seen, you know, dad has been whipping mom's ass their, you know, entire childhood when, you know, dinner isn't cooked right or it's not cooked on time or mom said the wrong thing or didn't, you know, whatever. And so these kids grow up thinking that's, you know, that that's normal. Maybe they're appalled by it. But what happens is that they tend to repeat the cycle and do the same thing. I know people who I remember when their parents were getting divorced and they were upset and they were, you know, they had to go to see someone and all this. And then, you know, now we're, my friends and I are in our forties and I'm seeing the people who came from the divorced homes are having similar problems. I mean, all they wanted to do was change and break the cycle and they end up reliving what they saw. And I've seen it. Right. We've all seen it. Well, and that's one of the reasons that I am such a big believer in therapy, Right. you know, and I'm glad that we are starting to finally see some attention paid to mental health in this society. And it's a shame because it has been, it's been this dark little secret for so long. You know, I mean, you have, I don't know how many Americans are on antidepressants, but I don't know, half wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, at least a quarter. I, I don't know what the numbers are. This is just my, my guesstimation. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, mental health is every bit as important, if not more important than your physical health. Okay. It's just like where you see, you know, it's important to have a positive mindset to be able to recover from physical injuries. Well, guess what, man? If you are jacked up in the head, how much do you think that's going to help even with that? But your mental health is so important in every single aspect. And people, for some reason, have got this idea that, oh, well, that makes me, you know, something's wrong with me. And I'm not going to go see, you know, go see a mental health expert because then people are going to know and they're going to they're going to think I'm a freak. And it's like, no, you keep acting like that. And people are going to think you're a freak. Go get help. Right. You know, help. I've done it. You know, I've done it personally. I, I would not espouse that. Unless I believed it and would do it myself. And I have on multiple occasions. Right. And it's necessary. It's important. We all need to tune up. I mean, because we can't always see that we're being a jerk. And if we're tunnel vision, I mean, the things that are our symptoms, maybe the, the things that were, you know, tools that are hurting other people. So, you know, I absolutely agree. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. So, uh, in we've, you know, we've talked a lot about the reasons that people get divorced. And on another program, we could talk in more detail about um, how to get started with divorce, but if someone has gone through and some of these things are resonating, what steps do they take? I mean, they maybe have been thinking about it for a while and maybe just they've had that, you know, so to speak, come to Jesus moment. Sure. Well, the first thing is to seek out a really good lawyer and find out what's involved. Okay. You know, it doesn't mean you have to pull the trigger, but you ought to sit down because here, here's something that's really important. Okay. When you, when you hire a lawyer, First of all, you, you hire them for their expertise, but you need to make sure that you feel comfortable with them. Doesn't mean that y'all need to be best buddies. Uh, although I've got some former clients that are now very, very dear, dear friends of mine. Um, but it doesn't have to be like that with all of them. It needs to be somebody that you respect and you can rely on and you're going to listen to their, their advice, uh, in, in making your, your determination. So find someone who's board certified, you know, Hire a board certified lawyer or hire a firm that at least, 
uh, is headed by a board certified lawyer so that you know that they're driving the way the strategy is, is mapped out and the way things are done. Okay. They have an extra level of expertise. They're the only divorce lawyers or whatever field they are in that can refer to themselves as an expert or a specialist in that area because of the, that extra level of expertise. Uh, you get too many people that dabble and don't know what the hell they're doing. So, you know, they think it's cookie cutter, one size fits all. And I can guarantee you, forms. Yeah. And I can guarantee you it's not. And, and unfortunately you get a lot of people, I can't tell you how often I get people that come in here and it starts off by saying, well, I looked up on the internet, so I know that blah, 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 blah. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not the law in Texas. You know, that's not the way it is here. And let me tell you how it really works here. You know, what the law is and what that means. I mean, it's just like, you know, a lot of people hear the term joint managing conservatorship and uh, they might even know that the presumption in Texas is that parents should be joint managing conservators. And so they think that means equal time and all of that. That's not what it means. Okay. Conservatorship is one part of child custody. It's dealing with the rights and duties related to child rearing. doesn't have anything to do with or it's not directly, doesn't have directly everything to do with uh, possession and access. Right. Okay. So, so that's the thing. Find somebody who you can get along with, who you feel comfortable with, that can shepherd you through the process that isn't going to blow sunshine up your ass and tell you that, oh, everything's hunky-dory. Okay. Divorce is hard. Modifying an order is hard. Being a grandparent who has to come in and file suit against a kid to get uh, custody of their grandchild is hard, okay? These are difficult things, but you need someone who will tell you, here's what you need to do to be able to achieve your goals. Absolutely. Good tips, good information. I agree it's all about the fit. Um, it's a very difficult time in life. It's a very, one of the biggest things on the list of moving, changing jobs. And it's, you know, and it takes a lot of time and resources too. And it's something you don't want to redo, have fixed later, get it done the first time, get it done right. Well, there's no question about that. That's one thing I would say. Look, you know, <laughs> good lawyers are expensive. Okay. Really good lawyers are really expensive. You know, you get, you tend to get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. So if you are out there value shopping, expect what you're going to get. Right. Because I can't tell you how many times I've come in as the second lawyer on a case or having to come in and modify stuff where it is all jacked up because they were value shopping, you know, and this person or that person that represented them didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, and you know, so then you're behind the eight ball trying to clean up a mess and guess what? You're going to spend a lot more money than you ever would have initially. Right. Just making the right decision and understanding that it's just the cost of doing business. Well, right. Just because you're the CEO of big corp doesn't mean you go and represent yourself and I'll just handle this temporary orders hearing first and get this done. And then I'll go get the lawyer for the final trial and we'll wipe, wipe the floor with her. I'm just, I don't have time for this right now. Right. I mean, I've heard things like that. I'm okay. You know, best of luck, but yeah. there's a story of a man on an Island somewhere in Bora Bora or somewhere who figured out how to save his own. He did his own dental work. So if you have the time and the diligence to figure out how to shave down teeth or do whatever and make, do your own dental work, you know, bless your heart, good for you. But, right. you know, there's a lot more to the to, to dentistry and, you know, surgery and law and everything else, too. So Absolutely. All right. So people who want to continue a dialogue, figure out what they need to do, or they just got served 
And they yeah. need to, they're also dealing with a lot of these things. How do they best get in touch? So you can call us our, uh, our main office number is 214-469-3100. Or you can send an email to me directly at mark at Scroggins Law Group. Um, we've got, you know, our primary office is in Dallas, but that's in Collin County, actually. Uh, we've got offices in Plano, and I'm very excited that uh, we've got a really, really beautiful office that is going to open hopefully on uh, April 1 of this year in Frisco if all of the build-out uh, gets completed oh, timely. Yes. So a lot of build-out going on Fun. with that. That will really help serve our uh, our folks in Collin and Denton counties. Right. So you're in Dallas, Collin, and Denton counties. Correct. All right. Very good. Telephone number again? 214-469-3100. All right. And Scroggins Law Group. Dot com. com. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. We'll be back next month and maybe talk a little bit more about the intro parts of divorce and uh, what people can expect and settle up for. Sounds great. All Thanks, right. Nick. Thanks, sir. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.